on today with Natalie So. Before the U.S. election, Taiwan was found to be the only nation in Asia with people favoring Trump over Biden. So, how has Taiwan responded to the election of Joe Biden? Well, with me today is the founding editor of New Bloom Magazine, a political magazine in Taiwan, Brian Hugh. Well, Brian, welcome to the show, and uh, <laughs> tell me how, how do you think Taiwan has responded to the election of Joe Biden? Uh, that's right. And so, uh, compared to other nations, there has been actually a concern about a Biden presidency. Trump is perceived as having strengthened the U.S.-Taiwan relation. Uh, this has occurred through arms deals to Taiwan, uh, high-level diplomatic visits by individuals such as Keith Kroc and Alex Azar, and and uh, the Trump administration is seen as breaking historical precedent in many ways. That this has been the highest point in U.S.-Taiwan relations since 1979. Some would claim uh, this began with the Trump typhoon call shortly after Trump was elected. Uh, he, it was before he actually took office. He was then sole president-elect. And what's interesting is that though there were a lot of concerns about Trump taking office and what the effects on the U.S.-Taiwan relationship would be, once Trump was president and began strengthening the U.S.-Taiwan relationship, this verdict on Trump reversed itself. And now mm. we see four years later there's such concern then about that he is no longer. President. So there's actually a lot of anxiety over the U.S.-Taiwan relationship, basically. Mm. And with this change of leadership, we don't know what's going to be happening. Do you think there is um, cause for concern over Biden? I think there's cause for concern with any American president because it's hard to know how they will react and how what changes will happen under their administration. Um, but I think that what's interesting is now there's the belief that under democratic presidency, mm. this could see a reversal of fortunes. Uh, Republicans are seen by many in Taiwan as more strongly supportive, and that occurs despite that legislation in support of Taiwan has been bipartisan. That arms deals occur under both democratic and Republican presidential administrations, but Republicans are seen as stronger on China, <coughs> tougher on China, and I think Trump's made him very appealing to many Taiwanese that are anxious about China because of this. So um, can you tell us how Taiwan's media has been portraying Trump versus Biden and how they've been reacting to uh, this election? Um, yeah, so it's actually very interesting because I think particularly Taiwanese media, Chinese language media, has been an amplifying force for pro-Trump news. And I think that because uh, Taiwanese are not getting the full brunt of the U.S. news cycle, it, the news reporting can be selective. So then things that pick Trump in a positive light, that spin him as doing actions to benefit Taiwan, are amplified. This news is amplified. Whereas negative press about Biden, the view that he is soft on China or even connected to China or backed by China, uh, this kind of news gets amplified. And I think this is... is uh, this, another issue is poor fact-checking practices in Taiwanese media. Uh, but then there's also these biases which are clearly present, and that leads to distorted perceptions, I think, of American politics. So do you think that much of the public has idealized Trump? I think so, absolutely. Because there are points at which Trump has considered, um, it seems, even indicated publicly that he would be willing to use Taiwan or Hong Kong as a bargaining chip in a trade deal with China. So he said that in public comments uh, right. in John Bolton's book, it suggested that there was one point at which Trump did actually just point to his desk and say, Taiwan is the size of a pen compared to China's economy, which is the size of a desk. And so that's a sign of his priorities. Right. So actually, there is cause for anxiety over Trump as well. Mm -hmm. But he has been very good to Taiwan. And mm -hmm. we even see recently the 10th arms deal that he is you know, proposing for Taiwan. Do you think that this strong relationship will continue with a Biden presidency? It's a question because I think uh, it's anyone knows. Uh, however, I do think that structural factors will lead the U.S. and China into increasing tensions with each other. There might be a period of rapprochement, of a, a loosening of tensions. But overall, I think the fundamental outlook geopolitically, geostrategically, economically, uh, socioeconomically, is it's still present, that there's this, still this tension. And so the question is that 
Biden being uh, strong on China does not necessarily mean being supportive of Taiwan. Taiwan could be left out of countermeasures against China, for example. So what do you think is going to happen with Biden and Taiwan? It's, it's a good question. I think there is. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it is right to actually be uh, cautious. However, mm-hmm. I think this kind of uh, this premature assessment of Biden as necessarily reversing the gains in the past four years, necessarily uh, having a weaker China policy are, are quite premature. A lot will have to depend on who is appointed to his administration, uh, what policies that he announces. Um, also, just the fact that within the Senate and the uh, House of Representatives, there is still strong Republican presence. Uh, Biden himself has also indicated that he might be willing to take on Republicans in his administration as a sign of bipartisanship. So that's another factor I think people have not paid enough attention to. So the U.S. Congress seems to be a lot more supportive of Taiwan. I mean, they passed the Taiwan Travel Act, the Taipei Act. And uh, do you think that this will also influence Biden and his policy towards Taiwan? Absolutely, because the president is not the only uh, ruler, let's say, in America. And I think this is something that much Taiwanese assessments of America have missed out. The Trump administration is conflated with the Republicans that are in Congress. And so actions supportive of Taiwan from the legislature are accredited to Trump, but that is actually not necessarily the case. And so there's this collapsing of distinctions. Uh, Even Trump and the Trump administration, there are differences. People under him have their own agendas, and it's different from what Trump himself says or does. So do you see um, in the Taiwan media, you know, the two parties, the Kuomintang and the DPP, do they have a preference for um, parties or, uh, you know, biases towards Biden and Trump? What do you see happening in the media? It's one of those interesting things, actually, because both parties will deny that they have biases. They will deny that they have special relations with one party or stronger relations with one party versus another. However, historically, I think that is, is actually the case. In terms of lobbying organizations in the U.S., in terms of ties with American politicians, there is this favoritism towards Republicans. Um, that's particularly true with the Tsai administration, for example, despite being a progressive administration. Uh, for example, during Tsai's inauguration for re-election, the video does broadcast. The uh, Republican politicians, their congratulations to Tsai was emphasized, whereas for Democratic politicians, this was shortened or cut out. And that is clear favoritism. And I think that this is a matter of optics in which the Tsai administration could really do much better on. They cut out some of the Democrats? Um, or just shorten the time. And oh. so the, the Republicans were just emphasized as these are the American politicians that support Taiwan, whereas the Democrats were disregarded. And that seemed like a very bad move, particularly because of the possibility of a Democratic presidential administration coming in. And so though both, party will, both parties, DPP or KMT, will claim they're bipartisan, when one actually looks at their actions, there is this clear favoritism. And I think that has not gone unnoticed. So um, how do you think it will be for Tsai to work with the Democrat um, administration? What challenges would he foresee? So this is one of those interesting things, too, that there's a confluence of uh, the Democratic Progressive Party and a Democratic administration. And so there are challenges there, too, because we just had a Republican administration. And just looking at the history of which party is in president during which party in Taiwan is, is ruling, uh, it's, it's kind of rare for this combination to occur. And so then I think that there will be challenges. I think that Tsai really does need to outreach to Democrats to build strong ties with them. Um, And not just, you know, older traditional politicians, but also younger, more progressive politicians, the way she's outreached to those kind of politicians in Taiwan. And I think that's that's something I'd like to see, but it's a question. What about the KMT? What is their relationship with and and their media portrayal Mm -hmm. of the two parties in the U.S.? Mm -hmm. That's right. So the KMT, interestingly enough, they have a struggle currently about whether to build stronger ties with the U.S. or not. Uh, The current chair, Johnny Chang, is in favor of seeking for the ROC to uh, regain recognition by the United States, whereas former chair and former president Ma Ying-jeou has come out against this idea. And so I think this is a struggle within the party as well between the younger and the older generations on how to relate to the U.S. 
Um, and in that sense, the KMT has also claimed that it does not support any party, that it's supportive of both parties. But there's a question, uh, there's always been this question uh, in the past few years, does it actually want to build stronger ties with the U.S.? There's been proposals to create, to reestablish their office in D.C., and there's been back and forth on that idea. Will they actually follow through on that? That's still also up in the air. Well, what about um, the U.S. parties? Do you think that uh, Democrats and Republicans differ very greatly in the way they see Taiwan? I think it's uh, one of those things because it depends on rhetoric, and I think that Tsai really does stand to improve if she wants to be able to build parties. For Republicans, uh, some actually the older traditional Republicans still have this view of China that it goes back decades, dating back to it as quote-unquote free China. Um, even with John McCain when he was alive, some of his statements referring to Taiwan, those kind of that framework in which he referred to Taiwan seemed really outdated from the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think for Democrats then, there's this framing of Taiwan in terms of human rights. Democrats have historically been stronger on human rights as a party. Uh, but then, then I think there's also this kind of lacking awareness of Taiwan, um, of Taiwan as a progressive democracy that has accomplished all these things in the past few years. And I think that there's a kind of lack of awareness sometimes among some democratic politicians regarding Taiwan, whereas Republicans can be stronger or uh, have more things to say openly about foreign policy for America. So it does seem that they are a stronger supporter of Taiwan. And they initiate a lot of the bills in, in mm-hmm. Congress as well. That's right. And so that's the paradox. Um, I, I, th- I don't know if I would label one party as particularly strong in support of Taiwan versus another. Both really have American interests in mind, I think, at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Uh, but these are bills are often initiated by Republicans. They are backed by some Democrats. And I think leading Democratic politicians sometimes do not really take statements on, on these issues. And I think that that's something that uh, the ball will increasingly be in the Democrats' camp to actually make firmer stances on Taiwan and also Hong Kong, Xinjiang, and Tibet uh, going forward, particularly with the Biden administration coming to power at a time in which U.S.-China tensions are, are at the highest they've been in decades. So um, Biden also came out with a, a statement in support of Taiwan uh, right before the election, saying mm-hmm. he wanted to deepen ties with Taiwan. He said it in the World Journal. And mm-hmm. What do you think of that statement? Does it mean anything? In, or is it just a very uh, general mm-hmm. kind of sign of support? It's quite interesting, too, because it's, it's a question. Um, that might be an attempt to appeal to certain voters, for example, in the United States, certain demographics. And the question uh, for Biden now is, was he just saying all those things about China to come off as strong on China, to outcompete with Trump on this issue? Uh, because this has been an issue that has particularly resonated with the American public right now, particularly in the COVID uh, crisis during the COVID pandemic, because of, of the fact that this is a pandemic perceived as coming from China. Um, and so then... That being the case, I think that it's a question, will he actually follow through with his policy going forward? And so it really does depend, I think. Um, Biden probably will reverse some of Trump's actions in terms of uh, global politics, such as seeking to rejoin the WHO, or perhaps seeking to rejoin the TPP uh, to pursue a kind of more multilateral approach to containing China Mm -hmm. um, versus this kind of unilateral approach that Trump has taken. Um, But then it's still then it's still a question, will he be as strong? And so some people phrase it. There has been some editorials claiming that Biden will be less rhetorically strong on China, but he will actually do more. And that's been argued with both Taiwan and Hong Kong. We don't know, though. We hope so, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's a question. I think it's still an open verdict. So, well, China has been increasing its military activity um, Mm. past couple of months, you know, in anger towards the U.S., you know, Mm. sending top officials here. So how do you think that will affect U.S. policy, this increased military threat Mm. um, from China? How do you think that um, Biden will deal with that? It's a good question. I think that uh, the response to date has been tit-for-tat escalation, more or less, just that whenever China does something, America does something similar. <clears throat> and so that can be actually dangerous to the region because it does escalate the stakes. Uh, but I think also then 
there will be more of this this kind of tit for tat escalation. But the question now is, I think China is conducting drills around Taiwan with such frequency is not just for the sake of intimidating Taiwan. It's also for the sake of training,、um, and that's particularly dangerous, I think, regionally. That you know, actually allowing Chinese troops、uh, in the navy or in the air force to have training could be in preparation for actions elsewhere. And I think there there probably will have to be a, a more concrete measure to address this. But it's still to be seen what that will be. And I think that's what's currently lacking from an incoming Biden administration. So there's been talk of、um, Secretary Defense pick、um, being Michelle Flournoy, who's quite hawkish. I mean, she had mentioned that she wants, you know, enough presence in the South China Sea to be able to wipe out. China's navy in three days.、Mm-hmm. So, what do you think of the possibility of her becoming Secretary of Defense? It'll be interesting because、uh, it's a question. Just looking at Biden's administration, people are now pondering the question: Will these be hawks or these people that are more in favor of engagement with China? Because there have been Democrats that are more in favor of engagement, and there's also the view that engagement has failed. And this debate, I think, it still continues among China experts, among think tank workers, among people working in government who have ties to government,、uh, and it's not settled. And so, I think then whoever Biden picks for key positions within his cabinet. It on a foreign policy will then reflect this. Will they be hawks or will they be doves or and so forth?、Um, and I think then that what's interesting is particularly there was concern about Biden being stronger on China on. The trade war, or on IP, or on technology, and not actually talking hard geopolitics regarding the South China Seas or Taiwan or the、mm-hmm. uh, island chains, and so I think that will perhaps that will change. I think that's that's also one of the things we really have to see once he takes power. So, as a political observer, do you think there's cause for anxiety in Taiwan over Biden? I think there's always cause for anxiety about any American president. If it was Trump, <laughs> if it was Biden, I think there would be cause for concern either way. Well, thanks so much, Brian, for coming on our show. Thank you. And I've been speaking with Brian Hu. He is a founding editor at New Bloom Magazine, a political magazine in Taiwan. Overseas Community Affairs Council is encouraging overseas journalists to report on the contributions Taiwanese have made to the world, so that the world can see Taiwan. The OCAC is launching the Chinese Language Journalism Award for overseas media. Journalists can compete for two awards: the Print and Digital Report Award and the Broadcast Report Award. Entries that showcase in-depth professional reporting have the chance to win two thousand five hundred U.S. dollars. The deadline is November thirtieth. Go to www.ocac.gov.tw.